What unbelievable dipshits. smells like me. I am Lindsay Tucker, the host of this show today. I'm joined today by Aviv Rubenstein, as usual. Aviv, hello. Hello, yes, it is I, Aviv Rubenstein. But we have a very special guest this week. What? You can see her too? She's there. Very special guest, musician, and would it be fair to call you a popular TikTok Swifty? I I think that would be fair. I think that would be fair. Okay, so musician and TikTok Swifty, Elena Harrison. Elena, welcome. Hi. Hello, Thank you Elena. so much for coming on the show today. Thank you for having me. So tell us a little bit about yourself. You're a musician, which is a thing I didn't even know until just now. I am. I have a lot of songs written in my notes app. I play guitar and ukulele. Sick. I have a couple songs out on Spotify, but I don't particularly like them. So that, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> We can we can share songs on on our notes app. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I I am a senior at Trinity College. I major cool. I major in theater and dance and public policy. So, yeah. Wow, theater, <laughs> dance, and public policy is. I can see how closely they're all. The Venn diagram is like you <laughs> at the center of them. Thank you for joining us today. Yes, thank you so much for joining us today we're getting our our zoomer audience bona fides <laughs> yeah uh, my tiktok handle uh just to do that is actually aaron desner which is the name of a musician <laughs> from the national i secured the the handle on tiktok because he doesn't have a tiktok um wise brilliant yeah so <laughs> squat on that for, and- squat on that for as long as you can i thank and- him every day <laughs> <laughs> what can listeners expect to find on your tiktok so i do a lot of crazy theories taylor swift leave, leaves us a lot of easter eggs and we all kind of try and figure them out i do some okay. some lyrical interpretations a lot mm-hmm. of ways i personally relate to the music and very recently i have videos of the all too well premiere um that i was invited to so yeah okay. very excited yeah. i have so many questions <laughs> but i'm assuming that that i will that we'll get to them in all due time but we will we will so uh you'd have to be living under a rock this week not to know that something is up with taylor swift do you agree aviv can you confirm yes i can confirm that even my old man instagram and my old man twitter <laughs> and my old man tiktok are are rife with taylor swift i sent you one one taylor swift meme Lindsay, and now it's just like <laughs> my shit is lousy with taylor swift <laughs> um tiktok put taylor's version in parentheses next to its name so tiktok Fuck. tiktok is a taylor swift app and taylor swift said herself <laughs> taylor swift said herself if there's parentheses next to next to something that says taylor's version that means i own it that means she owns it. Um, Trade TM, yeah. Taylor Swift. Yes. Um, Taylor's okay. version. 
<laughs> so so yes, Taylor is all over the internet this week more so than usual. Because last Friday she released Taylor's version of her fourth studio album, Red, which originally dropped in October of 2012. At that time it sold more than 7,000 copies. 7,000 copies? I mean, at that time, it sold more than 7 million copies. <laughs> it went seven times bronze. <laughs> it was already topping the charts in a matter of hours after its re-release last week. Yeah, I think she's already actually beat its original. Yeah. Taylor wrote on Twitter on November 11th, uh, it never would have been possible to go back and remake my previous work, uncovering last art and forgotten gems along the way, if you hadn't emboldened me. I always cry when I read Taylor stuff. <laughs> oh my God. So, okay. <laughs> let me <laughs> redo it. It never would have been possible to go back and remake my previous work, uncovering lost art and forgotten gems along the way, if you hadn't emboldened me. Red is about to be mine again, but it has always been ours. Now we begin again. Red, my version, is out. Yeah. So many feelings. So many feelings. Okay. 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 <laughs> what the fuck? is going on so i understand i mean we don't need to be like taylor elizabeth swift was born in 1989 is that her her middle, middle name, name her middle name is actually allison with of course with one l one l <laughs> great i love that um don't mess it up so why is the re-release of red so special to fans i think because you know it was an album where we had already had a very a very like established you know loving relationship with her and it was red is an album that to us we really really related to all of that heartbreak in or we we mm -hmm. saw we saw how much of herself she put into this album and it's an album about what so i'm gonna read a little bit of the in instagram post from when she announced red if that's all right um That'd be great. If, if I could just read that, I think that might explain a lot. In her words are much sure. better than mine. Um, <laughs> so I'll just read that. Um, this was June 18th when she announced that she was releasing um, her re-recording of Red in November. Um, so she said, I've always said that the world is a different place for the heartbroken. It moves on a different axis, at a different speed. Time skips backwards and forwards fleetingly. The heartbroken might go through thousands of micro-emotions a day, trying to figure out how to get through it without picking up the phone to hear that old familiar voice. In the land of heartbreak, moments of strength, independence, and devil-may-care rebellion are intricately woven together with grief, paralyzing vulnerability, and hopelessness. Imagining your future might always take you on a detour back to the past. And this is all to say that the next album I'll be releasing is my version of Red. Musically and lyrically, Red resembled a heartbroken person. It was all over the place, a fractured mosaic of feelings that somehow all fit together in the end. Happy, free, confused, lonely, devastated, euphoric, wild, and tortured by memories past. Like trying on pieces of a new life, I went into the studio and experimented with different sounds and collaborators, and I'm not sure if it was pouring my thoughts into this album, hearing thousands of your voices sing the lyrics back to me in passionate solidarity, or if it was simply time, but something was healed along the way. 
Sometimes you need to talk it over and over and over and over for everything to really be over. Like your friend who calls you in the middle of the night going on and on about their ex, I just couldn't stop writing. This will be the first time you hear all 30 songs that were meant to go unread. And hey, one of them is even 10 minutes long. Oh, fuck. So the 10-minute song, that is a really special moment between Taylor and fans. Um, as and well. what song is that? That is the 10-minute All Too Well, and it's really special because we have been badgering her for years to let it out of the vault. She, she, made the, she said herself that she made the mistake of mentioning it in an interview years ago, and since then, fans have been asking her, like, hey, we want that version. Like, we want to hear it all. So this is like the 80-verse 80, 80 <laughs> version of Hallelujah. Like, you know it exists, yeah. but you haven't heard it. Yeah, and so we've been asking for it and asking for it and asking for it for years. That song for her was the deep, I think, the deep center of her heartbreak. And, you know, that coming of age, those coming of age issues she was going through at those times. And so I'm, I'd like to play this clip of Taylor talking about it on Jimmy Fallon. This is a little bit about why this album is so special to fans and some of the surprises that Taylor had in store for us. I've dug up these songs that I wrote along the way that didn't make the album because I, I thought, I, I want to save this for the next album. Um, but then I, the next album would just be a completely different thing. So yeah. I'd be like, well, what's going to happen to that? Um, and, and it turns out this, it's an opportunity for me to go back and re-record all the music that was on the original album. And then what I'm really excited about is these songs that no one's ever heard before that, that were supposed to be on that album. And I, I'm, I've got artists like Chris Stapleton and Phoebe Bridgers featured on them. I mean, so. come on. I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't know what I can even show of the album because there's everyone, with you, there's so many little Easter eggs and spoilers that I don't want to ruin anything for, for fans. That's all I'll show. Oh. Whoa. That was something, yeah. Was they bad. just got, yeah. So you know it's wow. real. That's real. But this oh is like God. four albums. This is like four yeah, vinyls. Yeah, it's not, it, I mean, it is. It's four oh, vinyls. Oh, it is four vinyls. It's yeah. super heavy. It's actually... Yeah, it's incredibly it's, hard to lift. It's hefty. That. Yeah, I'm actually impressed. Yeah, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Uh, I've been working out with a trainer. I'll, I'll give you. So I was going to talk to you about I'll, that. Yeah, later, no problem. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, uh, I, I. What song are you most excited for the fans to hear? Thank you for asking. I'll tell you. Uh, <laughs> the one. <laughs> the one that I am the most excited about is a song called "All Too Well." In parentheses, the ten-minute version. Yeah, the ten-minute version. So explain this. I will. Um, basically, when I was writing the Red album, I knew I had a favorite on the album, and it was a song called All Too Well. But oftentimes, my personal favorites don't line up with songs that end up being singles or having videos. I always just have these favorites where I'm like, that one's just my favorite. Yeah. But what happened on this album was this song became the fan's favorite on its own, my favorite and their favorite song aligned. Yes. And the way that this song was written was I was I was going through a bit of a sad time. Um and I was twenty two and I was I was in band rehearsals and I think I was twenty one when I wrote this. Um and I was in band rehearsals for a tour that I was about to go out on called the Speak Now Tour. And I showed up for rehearsals and I just was really upset and sad and everybody could tell it was like really like not fun to be around me that day um and so I started playing guitar and just kind of playing the same four chords over and over again and I just started kind of the band sort of joined in and I started ad-libbing 
what I was going through and what I was feeling and, and it went on and with the song kept building and building and building in intensity and the song just went on for about, you know, 10 to 15 minutes of us doing this and and then we got done with that and then we moved on to the regularly scheduled rehearsal and at the end of the day my mom came up to my sound guy and she's like, is there any chance that you recorded that? Yeah. And he was like, yep, and handed her a CD. The 10-minute version of All Too Well is what was originally written for the song before I had to cut it down to a normal length song. Because that's, you know... Yeah, in case it gets played on the radio or whatever. Because the 10 minutes long. is absurd. That's an absurd length of time for a it's song It's like American be. Pie or something. Who yeah, thinks it's that they can put out a 10-minute song? I mean, we want a 10-minute song from you. We oh, want this from you. Well, thanks. And that's what you'll get. And that's the thing I'm the most excited about. Because it's the original lyrics. So now I think is the time we shall listen to the 10 minute. Please. Extended all too well. <laughs> I'm ready. Get your tissues. To the door with you The air was cold But something about it felt Like home somehow And I Left my scarf there At your sister's house And you've still got it In your drawer Even now
paralyzed by it I'd like to be my old self again But I'm still trying to find it After plaid shirt days And nights when you made me your own Now you mail back my things And I walk home alone But you keep my old scarf From that very first week Cause it reminds you of innocence And it smells like me You can't get rid of it Elena, what is this song about, and why have we been seeing so many Jake Gyllenhaal memes this week? Holy right. shit. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit back. 
All right. So she actually she actually has never mentioned that it was about him. That is that is just like something that fits with the timeline of it. And so that's like just kind of like a known fact of when she was turning 21. Um they were going through like a big rough patch and he did not come to her 21st birthday party. Okay, let's take a step back. Taylor Swift was dating Jake Gyllenhaal? Yeah, I'm going to read this something to you. Um, So this story came out in the Washington Post last Friday from writer Emily Yar, and it gives some context to the whole Jake Gyllenhaal story. Uh, I'm going to read from that now. Back in 2010, Us Weekly published a cover story that would eventually become a part of pop culture history. Quote, Jake and Taylor in love! The headline screamed, splashed across a photo of country pop star Taylor Swift with one arm wrapped around actor Jake Gyllenhaal's shoulder as he gripped her hand. It was a perfect fall day in Brooklyn on Thanksgiving. Swift was wearing a striped scarf and holding a maple latte. These facts will be important later. While Gyllenhaal was bundled up in a puffer jacket. They were both beaming, either pretending to ignore or blatantly showing off for the paparazzi cameras nearby. And they really did look in love. At the time, 20-year-old Swift and 29-year-old Jake Gyllenhaal had been reportedly dating for about six weeks. By the end of the year, the relationship would be over. But instead of becoming a short-lived celebrity relationship lost to time, it would inspire an album that eventually sold more than 7 million copies. And possibly, more important for Swift's fiercely loyal fan base, the split led to a wrenching breakup ballad that is deeply meaningful to her listeners and was recently named by Rolling Stone as one of the greatest songs of all time. Oh, shit. Part of the reason All Too Well stood out, along with its razor-sharp lyrics, the most quoted being, you call me up again just to break me like a promise, so casually cruel in the name of being honest. The only, the only lyric from the song that I knew. <laughs> is that it was packed with specific details as the devastated narrator reflected on the happiest memories of a failed relationship. Swift naturally didn't reveal the identity of her paramour, but she did everything except include Gyllenhaal's photo in the liner notes, and the song's clue was Maple Latte. You might remember that was the beverage the couple was carrying through Brooklyn on their photographed Thanksgiving walk. Wait, 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 wait. Can I explain song clues? There was a clue in the liner notes, and the clue was Maple Latte? Yes. Yeah. That's how she was leaving Easter eggs. Um, At that point, was through capitalized letters in the liner notes. Yeah. Ah, okay. The song's clue was Maple Latte. You might remember that was the beverage the couple was carrying through Brooklyn on their photographed Thanksgiving walk. Over the last decade, as the song became a classic in the Swift catalog, fans have taken great pleasure in lately tormenting Gyllenhaal, whom Swift expertly roasted throughout multiple songs on the album. The actor, who does not like to be asked about Swift, once made the mistake of posting a childhood photo of himself on Instagram, and and fans flooded the comments with the all-too-well lyric, you used to be a little kid with glasses in a twin-size bed. The picture is now deleted. Jesus. Another, <laughs> another trope became the scarf. Thanks to the lyric, I left my scarf there at your sister's house, and you've still got it in your drawer even now. The after Thanksgiving <laughs> took place with Gyllenhaal's sister, actress Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal, Fuck. who is in some of the paparazzi photos. And Jake has since been spotted with a scarf that looks awfully similar to the one Swift was wearing that day. Maggie professed ignorance when this topic came up a few years ago on Bravo's Watch What Happens Live, though she said everyone asks her about it. So, I don't know if this, I'm still, as a fan, unsure if the scarf thing was like, I think there's there's a possibility the scarf was kind of a metaphor for their relationship rather than 
a phys- the physical oh, really? scarf, but it's possible it was the physical scarf. It just, it depends on whether or not you believe Ma- Maggie Gyllenhaal or not. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking liar, Maggie Gyllenhaal. No, because if I was, okay, if I had a younger sibling, a younger brother who did this to someone, I would, I don't think I'd be taking his side on this. I think I'd be like, you fucking idiot. But really? At least yeah. in private, maybe in public. In, pu- you can't in public, you be- can't, especially when you're a celebrity. You can't sell your but- brother out like yeah, yeah. He f- he fucked that shit up. But what you can do is pretend you don't know anything about it. So there's that. <laughs> okay, I listened to the song for the 10 minute version for the first time two days ago. Yes. At at Lindsay's request, right? That I that I have heard the song at least once before we start the show, and. I will say that I went on like quite an emotional roller coaster because I started out the song and I was like, this is like kind of not that good. And the and the first song, I was like a hater. Right. And then like th- I start to like my icy heart started to warm up at the second verse. And then by the time they're like dancing in the glow of the refrigerator, I'm like <laughs> crying in the bathroom <laughs> while brushing my teeth. It was like that scene in Tommy Boy where they start crying singing um long ago or whatever and i like it like really the story like hooked me and kind of the um the lyrics get more clever to the culmination of like i i i grow up and your lovers stay the same age or whatever the whatever the line is like that is kind of the apex of like yeah i got you good you motherfucker yeah but the thing is is that when she's been asked about this she's been asked like is it about any specific ex and she was like she was like that's not even on my radar she's like i wrote the song i'm proud of it this is about giving it to the fans basically so it's not to it's not to do that that's just he just happens to be a byproduct of yeah, he's catching shrapnel for sure. I, I don't think that she is, yeah, I don't think that she is pointedly going after him. And also, like, kind of the 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 allure of who is this person or is it about Jake, but she won't confirm it. Like, that's better for the narrative and the marketing of this all anyway. Yeah. You know, the song's a good song. I um I actually have one of my favorite thoughts about the lyrics is, like, Mm-hmm. It has all of these this beautiful imagery and everything like that, but I think one of my favorite lines is um, just, I remember it. Because I started, um, and I think I saw a TikTok video about this too, but I started to, to think of it as like, she's not remembering it necessarily in pain at this time in her life. She's saying, I remember it at the end of every verse because she is actively convincing herself and telling herself, I remember this you can't gaslight me anymore. I know mm-hmm. what I know what happened. You can't tell me mm-hmm. that I'm crazy or acting like a child for this. Yeah, there's there's a lot to be read into I remember it cuz it's also like the the proof that it happened, right? When a relationship mm-hmm. ends, you like start to question were there ever any good times? And then you only can remember the good times. And so this feels like almost like a document of all of the things. So not just so that he can't gaslight her retroactively, but also like that no one can take this part of her life and her story away from her. Yeah. Which like I, you know, I've definitely felt like that at the end of relationships. Yeah. And she also has the lyric where she was saying, like, I was waiting for you to call it what it was, but. But like he didn't until after it was dead and buried. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so that's when yeah he was... you held my lifeless body or whatever that that was when I was hooked on this song. Do you guys want to do a dramatic reading? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's do it. I mean... I would be down to, to do a dramatic reading of just the new parts. So I have them here. I can copy and paste them, but just um, into an email to you guys. But just do the pink parts, because p- the pink ones are the new ones. Yeah. Okay, so it's like in the middle of verses and stuff? So the, like- the new lines start verse three, I believe. Okay. And you were tossing me the car keys, fuck the patriarchy, keychain on the ground. We were always skipping town. And I was thinking on the drive down, any time now, he's going to say it's love, but you never called it what it was till we were dead and gone and buried. Check the pulse and come back, swearing it's the same, after three months in the grave, and you wondered where it went to as I reached for you, but all I felt was shame, and you held my lifeless frame. Woo! Sweat. Okay, so we want to unpack that? Yeah. Uh, it's just great. It's really good writing. That's yeah. all I have to say and, about that. And whose fuck the patriarchy keychain was it? Hers? Must um, be. No, so I actually, so this is another thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was that we're not sure if, the, if it yeah. was a fuck the patriarchy keychain or if she was, and she was active, I think it was his. I think it was his keychain and she was actively making fun of him for having it and still treating her like this or he right, was, throwing, he was throwing the keys at her and being like fuck the patriarchy like you can drive the car oh interesting i also wondered that because when i heard the song i thought she was saying like fuck the patriarchy like maybe because he threw the keys mm-hmm. um but then she was saying the keychains on the ground i read them separately but then i saw like you know memes that was like whose keychain was it so that's why i yeah. asked you all that question. she's actually people are people are very literal with lyrics that might not be meant not might not meant to be literal um yeah she also is selling a keychain that says fuck the patriarchy on her website right now <laughs> she's very <laughs> good at marketing <laughs> but he throws them on the ground so he's like still a lack of respect yes exactly and that's what she's actively criticizing in that line i think especially the we were always skipping town because i don't think he wanted to be seen with her because of seen with her yeah, yeah. That's another thing that I can't quite wrap my head around. I was like, why wouldn't she want to be seen dating Taylor Swift? But because at that whatever. time, at that time, she was a she newer artist. Cool. She wasn't people uh, called her was basic. Like, people actively um, actually made fun of me in middle school for liking this album and liking her that much. So Shit. Um, yes. Well, and if you remember in um, We Are Never Getting Back Together, she's like with some indie record that's much cooler than mine. And is that yeah. also about Jake Gyllenhaal? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that on this record? <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, I see. I don't know where. where all I know is that the, that's the goat song. That also has a lyrical parallel with another vault song, too. Um, okay. Do, you want, do we want to do the next purple section? Yeah. And there we are again, when nobody had to know. You kept me like a secret, but I kept you like an oath. Sacred prayer, and we'd swear to remember it all too well. Great. Love a parallel. You kept me like a secret. I kept you like an oath. Great. Love it. Inside rhymes. Taylor loves them. <laughs> they say all's well that ends well, but I'm in a new hell every time. You double cross my mind. You said if we had been closer in age, maybe it would have been fine. And that made me want to die. Here's where I started crying. (laughs) The idea you had of me. Who was she? A never needy, ever lovely jewel whose shine reflects on you. Not weeping in a party bathroom. Some actress asking me what happened. You. That's what happened. You. You who charmed my dad with self-effacing jokes. Sipping coffee like you are on a late night show. But then he watched me watch the front door all night, willing you to come. 
And he said, it's supposed to be fun turning 21. I have to say, all of my favorite parts are the new parts. <laughs> yeah. It's, There's still I'm more serious. new parts. Oh, yeah. yeah I'll, do, I'll yeah. do a final one. Ready? <laughs> and I was never good at telling jokes, but the punchline goes, I'll get older, but your lovers stay my age. From when your Brooklyn broke my skin and bones, I'm a soldier who's returning half her weight. Whew. And did the twin flame bruise paint you blue? Just between us, did the love affair maim you too? Because in the city's barren cold, I still remember the first fall of snow and how it glistened as it fell. I remember all too well. Yeah, the best verses are the new verses. And I say this as someone who has heard the song exactly twice and all the verses are equal to me. These are the raw ones. Oh, I These agree. ones are really raw. So, but really clever. Yeah. Really clever. And 2012 wasn't ready for it for those lines. So, so am I, are, do I have like the, the backing of the Swifties that these new verses are in fact better than the original verses? Um, I like the song as a whole. I, I personally like there's something like deeply visceral about the way that the new verses um, hit me when I first listened they, to this. That cooks, man. That's really good writing. Just knowing like knowing that this was already like a song that we cared so deeply for those added verses gave us like further context and the writing the writing in those added verses is just i i agree that it's it's definitely she's um, bringing the heat better yeah. yeah yeah which is which is interesting because how do you sit on that for nine years and your fans are like release a 10 minute version and, and you're like you have no fucking idea you have no yeah. fucking idea how good these verses are motherfuckers they're so good but also like at that point in 2012 if she had if she had kept those verses instead of other ones or you know had put some of that in there it, i don't think it would have been accepted well i think you're probably right because this was you know we talk about like her image changing like she was very much still the like i'm a good girl singing about heartbreak yeah. and this is like uh, you're i'm gonna get you like <laughs> And and once again, She's not necessarily here. directed at Jake Gyllenhaal per se, but like, I'm going to get you, the listener, like through your heart. I'm, you know, this was something like she said that this is just what came out of her in the moment with her, with her band. Like she was just like, I'm going to get these emotions out of me. Like I'm going to just take them out of my body and put them into words. For years when she was first performing this... There were times when she couldn't get through the the regular length song without crying. Without crying because it hurt sure. her that deeply. So, yeah. Adding to our collective heartbreak, <laughs> with this 10-minute version, Taylor released a short film. So... <laughs> Um, here's Taylor talking to Jimmy Fallon about it. For the film, she cast Sadie Sink from Stranger Things and Dylan O'Brien from Teen Wolf. Um, okay, so Taylor talking to Jimmy about it is uh, in the chat. By the way, you wrote this, you directed this. Yeah. Um, and this will be released on YouTube tomorrow at 7 p.m. Eastern. Uh, it, I, uh, Sadie Sink, by the way. Oh, my God. No, I love her. I so, was a fan from Stranger I Things. Like I go... 
I feel like people, like, we got to explain what's going on. Like, everybody's so busy, and I feel like I should just tell you, like, I wrote, I wrote and directed a short film ba based on the premise of the song All Too Well. So I cast Sadie Sink and Dylan O'Brien, who are incredible actors, yes. in this short film, and they could not have blown me away more. It was the most unbelievable experience working with people who are that prepared, committed. Um, just the chemistry between them is really on another planet. You did a great job. The, where, the way it's shot, there's one shot Thank that's you. a continuous shot. Because it's uh, a new thing for me. Thank you for saying that. It's yeah, not a thing that I do normally. It, so no, it isn't. I but appreciate I was, the compliments. Oh, good. Yeah, I don't I know do. if you were saying thank you like you didn't mean I believed it. No, I really loved, I just liked the compliment. No, I, I, I really, I, there's a shot, I was going to say this continuous shot around, I don't know. I don't so there ha there's this scene where there is one very tense scene between the two of it's them. It's so well done. And they're, they were so electric and improving a lot of what they were doing that we just couldn't take the camera off them. We couldn't cut, we couldn't edit. So Why? there's a very long one take, one camera shot that lasts for a very long time. And, you, and when you're watching it, you don't, you don't note that. You don't realize that because they are so Feels magnetic. Real. They really are. It's real. I was like, oh my God. I'm so glad that you felt that too. Props. I was like, that was so good. It. Yeah, I, I love it. For you guys to see and it. there's going to be a, a, a film premiere for this? Yes, actually. And I haven't actually told people that yet, but I'm so excited. It's, it's going to be at the. Um... So, I, I'm, I'm no, sorry it's great. About that. I'm so, so it's sorry. great. No, it's okay. good. This is a great place to announce. Things. Okay, perfect. Yes, this is sorry. Cool. Yes, yes. It's at the AMC 13 Theater yeah. in Lincoln Square Absolutely. in New York tomorrow afternoon. Yeah! And Elena, you went to it. Yes, I was invited to the premiere at 3 p.m. in New York um, by a super secret DM from Taylor Nation, um, which is part of Taylor's. Um, team. Yeah, so I got this super secret DM. So what was it about? Yeah, tell us about the I DM got... and why they chose you. Um, I got a DM on the Sunday before the premiere, um, and they chose me because I have a fairly popular um, TikTok account where I am just a huge Swifty on that. Um, and Taylor has liked, on her TikTok account, she's liked two of my videos, um, and she told us that she had hand-picked us all to be there. Um, so she chose... Ah! Yeah! <laughs> yeah, so she chose the fans, you know, that oh she God. wanted to be there. Um, it was... So, set the scene. Tell us everything. Uh, you go to New York. I go to New York. My best... I was allowed a plus one. My, I, cho I choose my best friend, Che. We have her boyfriend drive us down without him even knowing what we were going to because it was so secret and I was really only allowed to tell my plus one. Oh, shit. <laughs> um, because I basically had to sign an NDA saying, like, you will tell no one about this or the location or anything until the event starts. Um, and I had to sign an agreement. And so wow. we drive down to New York. Luckily, her boyfriend was there because he was so helpful logistically. Then the we have a hotel, and then the next morning we wake up, and they send us the location in an email that next morning, like the morning of the event. How long and was the drive? Where I don't know where Trinity College I is. I am. It's in Connecticut. Um, so it was only two okay. hours. It wasn't a super long drive, but New York City traffic is something. Yeah, um. <laughs> it's, not, it's not unsubstantial. <laughs> and so 
he was trying to figure out where to get us. We were just like, we need to be at this this theater before 1 p.m. And so we got there at like 12 and there were already, we were supposed to be lined up around the theater. There were already fans in fall, like there were already fans lined up who had also been invited. And so we just like, we had our reservations with us and everything that we needed, our vaccination, our vax cards, um, just our IDs, everything. You had to be um, over 18 to be at the event in the theater and then they they start letting us in little by little and they let us all they let us all into this big room where there's Taylor Swift music playing on the screen um and then the next thing we know someone's looking at Twitter and it's like Taylor Swift has entered the building is entering the AMC theater and so were Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink so we were all in that room. They were there, They too? were there, too. They were there, too, yeah. And so we were all in that room, like, freaking out, just, like, screaming her songs at the top of our lungs. She was coming in, and the next thing you know, we see Tree Payne, her publicist. We, like, my best friend and I, like, turned our heads, and I was like, oh. I was like, that's her publicist, because I know, I know what she looks like, because I'm big super fan and whatnot. Um, and so... Then Dylan O'Brien and Sadie Sink walk in and sit in the back of the theater. And then big, wow. big anticipation. We're all sitting there waiting. She's, she's answering interview questions out front. And then the big moment happens and she walks in and she walks right down my aisle. And she looked at me. And she waved right as she, like, looked at me. And there's a picture of me, like, with this big screaming face on, just waving at Taylor Swift. Like, hi. <laughs> hi, I love you so much, basically. And then she went down to the front and started speaking to us and just being like, hey, um, hey, guys. Uh, and I have, a, I have an audio recording of, so I have, like, a video of some of that. Um, These albums is something I wouldn't be doing if you hadn't empowered me and emboldened me to do so. You guys were so amazing about a very hard thing I went through. You know, you guys turned it a, a hard thing into a very, very wonderful experience that now we're going through the second time with the Red re-release, my version. Yeah, she basically was just like, this is a song you guys chose. Um, and so I invited you here for the premiere of the film. You're going to see it before anyone else. And she's, there's, there was a lot more said and a lot of tears were being wept from me at least. I, I could see, I could see there weren't that many tears. Like I, I made sure that I could see Taylor Swift and she was not that far away from me. She was not that far away from me. And she looked beautiful. She had this, this purple, like this burgundy velvet suit on and just... Did she wear oh, that on Tiny Desk? Stunning. I, so I think it's, it's a similar one. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Okay. I love that. And oh, I love that suit. She looked so good. Um, and then she went, she was like, here's the film. And then she went back and sat with Sadie and Dylan. Um, and then we were the first ones to watch the All Too Well short film. And then she came down afterward um, and we talked, she had Sadie and Dylan talk a little bit for a little while, and Dylan apologized for being the guy in the film. 
<laughs> he was like, don't, don't do this to me. He was it's not my fault. He was like, look, I'm sorry. And then someone said, someone screamed from the audience, asshole. And then he, he, um, he screamed back, ah, that's right. Like he was like saying, that's right. And I think there was a point where he also said, yeah, fuck that guy. Um, well, <laughs> he does look a bit like Jake. He does. does he, not? Yeah. he does, especially with the way they had him grow out his beard. Um, yeah, and his hair, yeah. like that, like just plain buzz cut. And so, yeah, I, I, I do have to say, my best friend in the world, Justin. Uh, he looks a lot like Jake Gyllenhaal and lives in New York, and I have a feeling that he's gonna get like hate crimed. Oh no! So then she. Um, Sadie was really sweet. She was like, this is so surreal. And then Taylor was like, this isn't planned, but I'm going to play this song for the first time live for all of you. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. And then Taylor Swift sat down on a stool and had, like, the funniest thing she said was she was like, she was like, ah, this was not planned out. She was like, I have, like, 17,000 rings on. I have a video of her, like, saying that. It was so funny. She took all of her rings off, and then she sang it to us, and it was so beautiful so beautiful and we were all singing along because she always yeah, encourages so, that so yeah so that was the first time she was playing it live yes but you all knew all the words already yes just from yeah just from listening to the album the night before um we knew a lot of the yeah. words already we were all singing because i saw part of your video that you posted on instagram and like the fuck the patriarchy yeah part, everyone was singing yeah it. and she was laughing at that she's laughing at how much we were kind of like drowning her out at that part and um i think hearing us sing all of those little lines back to her really like you know she said before she's like it's just so incredible how quickly you guys like pick up on this and how how passionate you are about it and about listening to it over and over and over again. That sounds like so much fun. Yeah, and then we watched the film again. She played it again for us. <laughs> <laughs> so we watched the film, right? Yes. We all yes, watched we it. Yes, we have all now seen the film. I, d- I, was, I was at the second premiere, so you beat me. Um, no, I, was, I watched it. My, watched it on YouTube, yeah, like all of YouTube, us other people. Like a fucking peasant. <laughs> Um, I didn't recognize Sadie Sink from Stranger Things. I just thought it, I just saw it was like a pale blonde or pale redheaded girl. And so when you said Sadie Sink, I was like, fuck, I am old because like she's a she's like it was just a she year ago younger. that she was like a child. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> she's 19. The oh, wow. I think that the film is very well made for, you know, a first time film director, which is what she said on Fallon. and. Uh, I did. I did notice the oneer, but um, okay. So I la- There's one thing I know about like Taylor Swift and her Easter eggs and like her numerology and whatnot. <gasps> yes, which is that okay. she like she loves the number thirteen. Mm-hmm. And so Elena, when when does the credit card, the credit block for this film come in? It's at it's at the thirteen minute mark. Yes, I believe. Yeah, thirteen yes. minutes and zero seconds. Um, thirteen minutes and zero seconds. Yes, she's very. Um, it's just been her her lucky number in a lot of ways. She was born on December thirteenth. So yeah, she was born on December thirteenth. Just crazy things. She's every time she's won an award, she's been seated in like the thirteenth row. And but okay, an Easter egg in that film that I have been dying to talk about. That has to do with the number 13. And when I think 
So I, this is my crazy little Swifty theory right now. You know how she was like writing and she wrote a book in that? Yeah. It hasn't been 13 years yet since, um, since that happened, since that breakup happened. I think it's only been 10 and, um, 2025. I have a theory that Taylor Swift is writing a book right now or that she has written a book. Um, and I would, I, oh my gosh, I don't even know what I would, I would faint. Um, what it, what, what is the book even going to be about? I don't know, but I just I have an I have a little inkling that there's going to be a book that she is going to be Taylor Swift author as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sure she because will. of that watch, that watch video space. because just the yeah. yeah. <laughs> and she plays the older version of the girl, right? Uh, that yes. was a little much for me. Yes, <laughs> it was a little. It, oh my gosh. Especially but, at but, the s- lyric that it transitions on. Yeah, I'll get older or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the the that just lends to your theory that that she's going to write a book is like this is me, Taylor Swift, holding a book. Yeah, here's my book. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And she um, sold um, a notebook that looks exactly like that book cover on her merch store oh. as well. She's very smart. Master marketing. She and is daughter of Satan. Oh my gosh. Are we going to bring Question that up? Question mark? You're talking about the uh, meme. Yes, he just did. You're talking about the meme. Yes. So there is a, there is a meme going around that I think that the, that there are people that actually believe that she is somehow the reincarnated daughter of, of a member of the church of Satan. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Um, just because she looks like her. Um, like it's, it's like uncanny. Who is this person? So this is from NME from 2016, September 13th, mind you, 2016. <laughs> um, and it says, is Taylor Swift a clone of celebrity Satanist Zena LaVey? So Zena LaVey is the daughter of Anton LaVey, who's the man who founded the Church of Satan in 1966. And she published a book called Demons of the Flesh, the Complete Guide to the to Left Hand Path Sex Magic. So author um but the the gag is that Zena LaVey just looks a lot like Taylor Swift so here I'm sending Lindsay and Elena a picture of of Zena LaVey from this article. oh I've definitely seen it I've definitely seen that on Twitter I do not well, I'm, I'm already like I didn't click on yours I'm oh. already like deep in the images of- it's a conspiracy theory for sure but I do think yeah, it, so- I do think it's humorous <laughs> Clearly, there has never actually been a clone. <laughs> but can I get an official ruling from someone from Taylor Swift Nation? Uh, yeah. Now is the time for you to come clean on our podcast. Is Taylor Swift, when she pointed at you yes. at the premiere, yes. did she say, my name is Zena, really Zena LeVay, hail Satan? Um, no. Why do you gotta, why you gotta lie to me like that? I, she didn't. She didn't do that. She just that was a no. She waved at me. She, that's all. That's all she did. You know, she didn't. She didn't say anything. I'll and if in her eyes, n- you know what? I get lost in her eyes. So maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe there is witchcraft going on there. I don't know. I, <laughs> I knew it. I knew. I got, I got it. I got the truth out of you. Yet 
that that is the, that is the when when I heard that Taylor Swift was into like numerology and Easter eggs and leaving secret coded messages for her fans, I was like, I immediately went to this like, is she the daughter? No, I it's, clearly didn't. It's think just so funny. She uh, <laughs> she left another Easter egg in her new video too. Um, the, she, in, in the All Too Well video? No, she dropped another music video yesterday. What the fuck? <laughs> Directed by Blake Lively. Where have you Directed been? Directed by Blake Lively. It's <laughs> it, The song is called I Bet You Think About Me. Um, and it, Chris Stapleton is featured in it. Um, and I have some really interesting theories about this song, but the scarf gets passed on in the song. <gasps> so is this, a, is this a song from Red? Yes, this is a this is a Volt track. This is the first music video she's ever done for a Volt track besides all two L ten minute version. I I don't think that um, she's doing this to like you know she doesn't care about her ex her exes. I don't think she's actively doing this to make fun of any certain ex. The I bet you think about me music video makes it seem that way, but I think because I think it's it's directed very much like a big f you to her formal her former label. I, as someone who is very interested in like music rights, only have like a really surface understanding of why she is re-recording and re-releasing all of her records. All right. Other than a cash grab, right? Other no. than like Lord of the Rings special edition, right? No, that's not really what it, I can explain though. Um, yeah, I would love to, I would love to hear it from both of you. So Taylor parted ways with her old record label, um, Big Machine in 2018. And they kept her master recordings. Um, they kept her master yes. recordings, and that is the executive of Big Red Machine, Scott Borchetta, who um, you know found her singing in in a small place in Nashville when she was fifteen. This is someone who she had really worked with to develop her her career and her life and her art, and he knows um, he knows all the struggles she had been going through with with Scooter Braun previously. And so what happened was that after she parted ways with that group, Scott Borchetta decided to um, sell Big Machine Records and her masters without, without Taylor Swift's input, consent, or permission to Scooter Braun, a big music executive who she had issues with previously. Issues with, you know, the, the 2016 situation with um kanye where like uh-huh, sure where yes where people were taking sides that kind of thing and she felt that he had kind of been a bit of a bully um and so mm-hmm. actually one year ago today was the day that she announced that she's starting to re-record her albums to gain back her her own work is that is that a fact it's only been a year it's only been a year since she released wow. since she um said that she was going to re-record them or and since she was legally allowed, and to. since she so, was right. yes. contract, her contract that she signed when she was fifteen with Big Machine not only retained the rights to her masters, but wouldn't allow her to re-record uh, any of her own music until twenty twenty. So right? yes, but the reason she can re-record it legally is because she does own the composition rights. So she right. owns she own her catalog. Masters. Yes, she doesn't yeah, so, own the recordings. So let's let's do a couple. Let's do some. Let, Let's do some some kind of background info. So it is really, really, really common for artists not to own their masters when they sign to a record label, especially a big record label. Yes. And we have like famous stories of 
Michael Jackson buying the Beatles catalog because <laughs> the Beatles didn't own their catalog. It was a record label. The, and and we all there's also like thousands of horror stories of bands getting exploited because they didn't own the masters to their hit songs. But the masters are just the recording. And Elena, you said it perfectly that like she owns the composition rights. They were composed by her. So her re-recording her records is very, very different than maybe releasing the greatest hits, which is something she was not legally allowed to do because she couldn't release the the same recordings that she made under Big Machine. It's also worth noting, I think that this is true, that her father is a is a stakeholder in Big Machine Records, but not wasn't a stakeholder enough to like do anything about it. Yes. This. So what happened is that Scott Burchetta actually tried at one point, um, or someone with the group actually tried claiming that he had known about this and been a part of the decision and been on the phone he call. He being her father. He being her father had been on the phone call, but that has been disproven. He was not on the phone call, nor did he have any say in this. This is feeling like deja vu of like who was on the phone call and when with the Kanye and Kim incident as well. We covered on the show, yeah. So this is every album she released since she was 15 up until 2018, right? Yes. So how many albums is that? That's six. It's from six studio albums. It's from Taylor Swift up to Reputation. And so she's going to do all six? Yes. In order? No, not in order, which is part of the fun of guessing no. Easter eggs right now. Oh. And so far, she has released Fearless. Taylor's version. And Red. Taylor's version. Taylor's version. So she posted um, the announcement for Red in July. Oh, okay. So it's been, but she didn't do any promo up until this week. None. <laughs> she doesn't need to. She's Taylor fucking Swift. She even drove us crazy with our theories, I think, because she released Taylor's version of Wildest Dreams from 1989 because there was a TikTok trend. It was already re-recorded. I think she has I think she has a lot of things that are already finished that she's just kind of sitting on, but she released Wildest Dreams because it was trending on TikTok and she was like, "Use my version." <laughs> Instead, she was like, she was like yeah. yeah, and so she she gave it to us um, to use because we were and using it. I think that there is there definitely is like a monetary incentive. Oh, like, yes. For Wildest Dreams to so like I'm not I don't, and I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like she should be paid for her music. Yes, for her and work. So, right. Yeah. And so like her releasing Wildest Dreams, let's say because it was trending on TikTok. She's like, I don't want to give those motherfuckers money. I want yes. to like be paid for my work, which is fine. I mean, like that's not. I wouldn't yeah. call that like sinister in any kind of way, you know? Yeah. But I also don't think it's just about the money because this was no. a personal feud between her and Scooter Braun that went back, like Elena mentioned, for years. And so Borchetta sold the rights to her master recordings to Sco Scooter Braun without her knowing it. And she found out the same day that like the news broke with everyone else. Fuck. So the day that she finds out, she took to tumblr and this is what she wrote what date is this june 2019 okay so here's taylor's account for years i asked pleaded for a chance to own my work instead i was given an opportunity to sign back up to big machine records and quote earn one album back at a time one for every new one i turned in i walked away because i knew once i signed that contract scott borchetta would sell the label thereby selling me and my future i had to make the excruciating choice to leave behind my past 
Music I wrote on my bedroom floor and videos I dreamed up and paid for from the money I earned playing in bars, then clubs, then arenas, then stadiums. Some fun facts about today's news. I learned about Scooter Braun's purchase of my master's as it was announced to the world. All I could think about was the incessant, manipulative bullying I've received at his hands for years. Like when Kim Kardashian orchestrated an illegally recorded snippet of a phone call to be leaked, and then Scooter got his two clients together to bully me online about it. Or when his client, Kanye West, organized a revenge porn music video, which strips my body naked. Now, Scooter has stripped me of my life's work that I wasn't given an opportunity to buy. Essentially, my musical legacy is about to lie in the hands of someone who tried to dismantle it. This is my worst case scenario. This is what happens when you sign a deal at 15 to someone for whom the term loyalty is clearly just a contractual concept. And when that man says music has value, he means its value is beholden to men who had no part in creating it. When I left my masters in Scott's hands, I made peace with the fact that eventually he would sell them. Never in my worst nightmares did I imagine the buyer would be Scooter. Anytime Scott Borchetta, Scott Borchetta has heard the words Scooter Braun escape my lips, it was when I was either crying or trying not to. He knew what he was doing. They both did. Controlling a woman who didn't want to be associated with them. In perpetuity. That means forever. Thankfully, I have now signed to a label that believes I should own anything I create. Thankfully, I left my past in Scott's hands and not my future. And hopefully, young artists or kids with musical dreams will read this and learn about how to better protect themselves in a negotiation. You deserve to own the art you make. I will always be proud of my past work. But for a healthier option, Lover will be out August 23rd. Sad and grossed out, broken heart emoji, Taylor. I have a really great um, lyrical note to leave this on that connects yes. connects directly with that post. It's from one of the bonus tracks on Evermore, her most recent studio album. Um, it's called It's Time to Go. And the verse says, um, I'm going to try not to cry while reading it. <laughs> it says, 15 years, 15 million tears, begging till my knees bled. I gave it my all. He gave me nothing at all, then wondered why I left. Now he sits on his throne in his palace of bones, praying to his greed. He's got my past frozen behind glass, but I've got me, so. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> That's Just always yeah. so proud of her. <laughs> yeah. Scott Borchetta selling to Scooter is like just a fuck you slap in the face, right? But something that I noticed, because like I don't, I'm like a kind of a casual observer of Taylor Swift. And so in the last two years since she has kind of freed herself from this her image has kind of changed and now she's more of like a fuck you kind of person and this this tumblr post seems like a very hurt and vulnerable which i'm not saying that she isn't or never was mm -hmm. but like it's there's like a marked difference between what she wrote here and like the stuff that she says now which is like i'm a, I'm a fucking badass and like don't try to get in my way so like that's kind of in, that's an interesting i, I don't want to imply cause and effect but like it's just an interesting thing that i observed yeah so i think maybe that changed i think maybe now that she she's like i am taking ownership of my work by re-recording it she knows that it will devalue her old works um and there were a lot of naysayers there are a lot of people who were like oh that's not gonna work like people are still gonna listen to the old ones and if you w watch Miss Americana, yes. the 
first Taylor documentary, there is a turning point where you can see that her old team, including her father, was trying to keep her silent. And there's especially a culture in country music of um, keeping your mouth shut, especially women. You know, we saw what happened with the Dixie Chicks. And so uh, just there the were things. Yeah. Yes, the Chicks. So there were things that Taylor felt um, emboldened to speak about that her team was silencing her on. And so... I, now she's removed herself from that situation. And I think she also, even before that, you know, she spoke up about certain political things and uh, against the wishes of her team. And I think she's just really, as someone does, grows up. She was turning 30. Yeah. She's found herself more, found her voice more. Gives less of a fuck. Yeah. Found what she, like, believes in strongly, like, her, her values and, like, she feels... You know, as she said, emboldened to speak about them now um, because it's it's her her life and her life's work, and um, she wants to advocate. I think for things she believes in. So another time that she kind of boldly spoke to her fans because after Scooter gets the rights, then there's kind of this public feud that goes on where she wanted to perform at the AMAs, and yes. she was getting told. No, because that would count as a new recording. It, yes, it would count as use of her um, use of her masters because she would be using possibly the, like some of the musical recordings in the background. Like of the it. backing tracks. So in November, she took to Twitter and she sent this message. In November and, of 2019. Yes. Okay. November 14th, 2019. Uh, the tweet just says, "Don't know what else to do," and then it's like screen grabs of her, maybe like a notes app on her phone. And it says, guys, it's been announced recently that the American Music Awards will be honoring me with the Artist of the Decade Award at this year's ceremony. I've been planning to perform a medley of my hits throughout the decade on the show. Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun have now said that I'm not allowed to perform my old songs on television because they claim that would be re-recording my music before I'm allowed to next year. <laughs> Additionally... And this isn't the way I had planned on telling you this news. Netflix has created a documentary about my life for the past few years. Scott and Scooter have declined the use of my older music or performance footage for this project, even though there is no mention of either of them or Big Machine Records anywhere in the film. Scott Borchetta told my team that they'll allow me to use my music only if I do these things. If I agree to not re-record copycat versions of my songs next year, which is something I'm both legally allowed to do and looking forward to, and also told my team that I need to stop talking about him and Scooter Braun. I feel very strongly that sharing what is happening to me could change the awareness level for other artists and potentially help them avoid a similar fate. The message being sent to me is very clear. Basically, be a good little girl and shut up, or you'll be punished, which is wrong. Neither of these men had a hand in the writing of these songs. They did nothing to create the relationship I have with my fans. So this is where I'm asking for your help. Please let Scott Borchetta and Scooter Braun know how you feel about this. Scooter also manages several artists who I really believe care about other artists and their work. Please ask them for help with this. I'm hoping that maybe they can talk some sense into the men who are exercising tyrannical control over someone who just wants to play the music she wrote. I'm especially asking for help from the Carlisle Group, who put up money for the sale of my music to these two men. I just want to be able to perform my own music. That's it. I've tried to work this out privately through my team, but have not been able to resolve anything. Right now, my performance at the AMAs, the Netflix documentary, and any other recorded events I am planning to play until November of 2020 are a question mark. I love you guys, and I thought you should know what's been going on. Taylor. Oh, man. 
so this is like just a scorched earth campaign on from yeah. both teams, right? So like Scott and Scooter are like, well, you can have your normal life that you where you want to do stuff. You just have to like sign on the dotted line. And she's like, oh, do I? Y- you're not gonna respond to my reps? Well, I have a like a literal army of people <laughs> on the internet that will make your life a living hell. Other if artists, you, if you try to do this, other artists and other artists too. Yeah, many many. Spoke up in support of her after she posted that. But, but like the message is very clear where she's like, I want to do these things for you. I want to play a medley on the, at the AMAs for you. I want my songs to be in this documentary about me that you're going to watch. And none of that will happen if these, pe- if these people are still in charge. And so, like, they uh, basically they fucked with the wrong person because she wasn't going to back down and she has this like, crazy grassroots infrastructure that they p- probably have n- never seen before unlike and ambition that and like, ambition. most artists would not have yeah yeah exactly so like there have been other levels of like petty legal fights the one that jumps to mind is like prince yes. so the reason that prince changed his name to that symbol for like five years is because the record label that he was trying to leave which i think was atlantic just like owned the name prince he's like fuck you then i'm just not prince anymore i'm a symbol and neil young was like stuck in his thing too and he recorded a bunch of albums out of spite this is the first time that i can think of where someone has like weaponized the internet in this in this fight in a way that you know super was super successful because we're talking about her two years later and she's broken a bunch of records it's very very interesting we're we're living in a weird time i mean ultimately even if there was no internet response i still have to believe that taylor would have just done exactly what she said she was gonna do she would have um i do think that you know, because of the way the relationship we have to her, like, there's no way there wouldn't have been an internet response. Right. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. She, it, it almost seems like she was like, I didn't want, I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to make this, this huge, you know, mm-hmm. um, to continue this huge public feud. But if you're gonna, if you're gonna play dirty, I'll play dirtier and I will win. Yeah. It's the, the nuclear option. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and, and we talked about like why people don't speak up, especially women in the um, Blurred Lines episode where, you know, Emily Ratajkowski, who was basically sexually assaulted on the set of the Blurred Lines music video, can't say anything because her career would disappear. And so I bet there are people on Taylor's team at this point being like, you can't say anything in public. You got to play nice or else your career is going to going to tank. And she's like, guess the fuck what, motherfucker? Yeah. I got Tumblr. Basically. Um, But there are also people on her team who definitely have her back with this. I know that um, Tree Payne, her publicist, I believe she was was supportive of this and that she was supportive of her speaking about her political political views as well. It wouldn't surprise me if it it broke down on gender lines or age lines or a little bit of both because it's like old world and new world kind of embracing the internet culture of of the recording industry Mm -hmm. uh elena what happened next okay so what happened next was that she tried to negotiate to negotiate with him and i believe this this post was in this was november 16th 2020 that she posted this this is a year ago i believe there's there there may be other things but this is the big one um 
And the post reads... Scooter sold her... Let's just tell yeah, her for the uninitiated. Yes. Scooter sold her masters to... Shamrock Holdings. Who? To Shamrock Holdings, Shamrock Holdings, which is um, a private equity company. Um, okay. And so I'll just read... I'll just read this... Uh, Do we know for how much? Over 300 million. Over th- what? Yeah. Yeah. Over 300 million. Yes. Um, so this is not an insignificant amount of money we're talking about. No. Here. Years of And hits. he still, Scooter still has a monetary stake in, in the rights to what I'm he I'm sure sold. he fucking Yes, he does. does. And he also, I'll, I'll read the post so you can see how deep that, yeah. that runs. Um, so I'll read the post and then the letter that she wrote to Shamrock Holdings. This was on her Instagram, I believe. I wanted to check in and update you guys. As you know, for the past year, I've been actively trying to regain ownership of my master recordings. With that goal in mind, my team attempted to enter into negotiations with Scooter Braun. Scooter's team wanted me to sign an ironclad NDA stating I would never say another word about Scooter Braun unless it was positive. Before we could even look at the financial records of BMLG, which is always the first step in a purchase of this nature. So I would have to sign a document that would silence me forever before I could even have a chance to bid on my own work. My legal team said that this is absolutely not normal. And they've never No, it is not. They've never seen an NDA like this presented unless it was to silence an assault accuser by paying them off. He would never even quote my team a price. These master recordings were not for sale to me. A few weeks ago, my team received a letter from a private equity company called Shamrock Holdings, letting us know that they had bought 100% of my music, videos, and album art from Scooter Braun. This was the second time my music had been sold without my knowledge. The letter told me that they wanted to reach out before the sale to let me know, but that Scooter Braun had required that they make no contact with me or my team, or the deal would be off. As soon as we started communication with Shamrock, I learned that under their terms, Scooter Braun will continue to profit off my old musical catalog for many years. I was hopeful and open to the possibility of a partnership with Shamrock, but Scooter's participation is a non-starter for me. I have recently begun re-recording my older music, and it has already proven to be both exciting and creatively fulfilling. I have plenty of surprises in store. I want to thank you guys for supporting me through this ongoing saga, and I can't wait for you to hear what I've been dreaming up. I love you guys, and I'm just going to keep cruising, as they say. Taylor. P.S. For transparency and clarification, I have included the letter of response I sent on October 28th, 2020, to the private equity group who purchased my music. Shit. This is fucking weird. So, yeah, the the NDA that they're trying to make her sign is, like, just made of red flags. And so th- uh, her interpretation is, of course, accurate, which is that it is such a bad NDA that she would be a fool to sign it right and and it's and and they if if she had signed it they would have figured out a n- another way to not sell her her music back but like why the fucking spite guys like what like what why why be so spiteful because like because uh, because they, they are hate now- powerful women they do and this is her this is her life's work her blood sweat and tears i would be spiteful too i would be pissed yeah i mean i understand why she's spiteful <laughs> why they but, are but yeah but like okay and and this might you know this is not my mindset so i uh, so i don't know if the, 
there's an answer for this, but like, how can you hate powerful women more than you like money? Like this, the all still getting money. They also didn't but, believe her. They also said they didn't believe her that she was re-recording oh, her so albums. That, he stated he so was like, "Oh, she's not going to do that. She won't be able." So it to was do a that. game of chicken, and he's just a fucking he's idiot. He's a loser. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> now that now it all makes sense. Cause yeah. Because like, like it, them thinking that she would she would like blink at this is the missing piece for me because like of course she isn't going to, and of course she's going to like embarrass them and take all their money but Mm -hmm. like they thought that they could outsmart her because she's a young woman yeah maybe and they don't they were actively trying to make her blink and they were actively trying to throw every other like obstacle at her that they that they could and every single time she was like here's my big post about this you guys still lose what (laughs) unbelievable dipshits yeah so i want to hear the letter that she wrote back to shamrock okay so this is the letter she wrote back to shamrock october 28th 2020 letter from taylor swift dear patrick jason and laura thank you so much for your letter upon reading your kind words i was thrilled with the idea of working with people who value art and understand how much my life's work means to me I immediately began to plan all the ways we could work together on expanding and protecting my music while maximizing the outcomes for all involved, especially my fans. So regardless of the fact that it was the second time my masters have been sold without my knowledge while I was actively trying to purchase them, your letter brought me a great deal of hope for my musical legacy and our possible future together. This is why I was so disappointed when I learned that under the terms of your acquisition, Scooter Braun and Ithaca Holdings would continue to receive many years of future financial reward for my music masters, music videos, and album artwork. If I support you, as you request, I will be contributing to these future payments to Scooter Braun and Ithaca Holdings. I simply cannot in good conscience bring myself to be involved in benefiting Scooter Braun's interests directly or indirectly. As a result, I cannot currently entertain being partners with you. It's a shame to know that I will now be unable to help grow the future of these past works, and it pains me very deeply to remain separated from the music I spent over a decade creating. But this is a sacrifice I will have to make to keep Scooter Braun out of my life. I'm very sorry he has put you in this position. I wish this could have had a better outcome, and please do let me know if your firm is ever completely independent from Scooter Braun and his associates. I feel the need to be... Yeah. I feel the need to be very transparent with you. I will be going forward with my original re-recording schedule and will be embarking on that effort soon. I know this will diminish the value of my old masters, but I hope you will understand that this is my only way of regaining the sense of pride I once had when hearing songs from my first six albums and also allowing my fans to listen to those albums without feelings of guilt for benefiting Scooter. Sincerely, Taylor Swift. Okay, so we gotta unpack this now too, because this is like forgive the kind of gendered response but this is her whipping out like dick after dick after dick and laying it on the table and being like i would love to work with you and make you so much money but there's this guy and you could just choose to not work with this guy and then i'll work with you oh and by the way i'm gonna do this thing that i always said i was gonna do and you're gonna be fucked so like what's it gonna yeah. be guys but they can't they can't do that because he put it in the contract that that they can't partner with her they weren't even supposed to contact her yeah which yeah. is like 
I mean, and and like, and she also does like a. I, I mean, like clearly a lawyer and a publicist help craft this because this is like. N- I mean, imp- um. I think imp- you don't she's def- you don't think that this was she's she's de- i don't think so she has a no. great way with words um she's very yeah but she also defended herself in she defended herself in a case once i believe um so yeah sexual assault yeah e- oh she oh right yes oh, so God. she right here in denver <sighs> she also wherever it was i lived there <laughs> yeah i think she's also very familiar with um you know, because she cares with the legal, yeah. the legal side yeah. of things. Yeah. I just imagine that it's hard for someone that high profile to not have to send stuff to like a publicist and a lawyer before sending it. But oh, I'm that's sure. notwithstanding. Yeah. It's like so well crafted where she's like, I'm not blaming you. I understand. We're cool. You believe in artists. I believe in artists. This guy, there's this guy. <laughs> okay. So has scooter said anything about getting just absolutely fucked by this oh yeah he's 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 posted recently this past summer to try and once he realized that she was serious that she wasn't like chicken shit about it he posted trying to be like i wish things hadn't gone this way with taylor swift and tried to he like kind of tried to paint himself as the victim and then that did not work because two weeks later he was he he deleted his twitter because um he, and, he, he was, deleted his Twitter? Be- because he had been, this is really upsetting, and also something Taylor Swift kind of predicted, he had been, this is sad, he had been cheating on his wife, and it's rumored that he got someone else pregnant, and so people were just... Fabulous. People were just tearing him apart, and also tearing him apart about, you know, trying to come back and be like, she, she started this, we could have communicated that kind of thing, and it's like, no... No, that's not what happened. And everyone, like, your gaslighting is not going to work, sir. (laughs) So. (laughs) Delicious. Yeah. Absolutely scrumptious. What a guy. Thank you, Alina, so, 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 so much for coming on the show today and sharing all of your intricate Swifty knowledge and your experience at the premiere with us. We are so grateful and delighted to have you here. So what we'll do is we're going to go out this week on an original song, an Elena Harrison original song she's going to play live for us. So where can people find us on the internet, Lindsay? Find us on the internet at Lyrics for Lunch on Instagram and Twitter. And for longer and weirder stuff, email us at lyricsforlunch at gmail.com. And Elena, where can people find you on the internet if they love your songs, if they want (laughs) to ask you about Taylor Swift? So I am at Aaron Desner on TikTok and at Elena Harrison on Instagram. Um, My name is spelt E-L-A-Y-N-A. Give us a rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Podcasts is the best place to find us. Um, And like and subscribe so you never miss an episode. And tune in next week when, should we talk about what we're going to release next week, Lindsay? Since we already have it recorded. Sure. Okay, we don't have to. Tune in next week when Aviv ruins another childhood classic for all of us. It's true. (laughs) Thank you so much, Elena. Please come back anytime Taylor Swift does something absolutely maniacal to people who have wronged her. Oh, I'll be back. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And uh, until next time, I'm Aviv Rubenstein. I'm Lindsay Tucker. Saying, fuck the patriarchy. Yeah. Saying, give back the fucking scarf, Jake. (laughs) Bathe, Jake.
told me it was insane Falling too fast after just two dates But we both dived into the deep end Till you brought the shallows right back in Now I'm stuck in rewind Whirlwind replaying in my mind Wishing I could say you wasted my time Did the novelty wear off? After you said you were falling real hard I said I think you spoke too soon But I'll admit I felt it too First sight, I'm usually first flight Till I thought you might be catching the bug But it's fine babe, cause we both jumped the gun You were just the first to run From temporary love Take a look where we are now Your hands bloody, my head bowed We fell in love and you fell out So much for letting my guard down But you took me on some real dates And I guess that gave me some faith That I could open up my bolted doors Now I'm crying on my bedroom I feel my love is worth more So the novelty wore off We both fell too hard It shattered my heart When you stopped feeling the sparks First sight, I'm usually first flight But you told me you had caught the bug I'll be fine, babe I should've known you would run Temporary love left us in dust. That is the end of that song. Yeah. <laughs> that was so beautiful. That was so Thank good. Thank you. <laughs>